1: They want to know why and how. Today on the show, Packers defensive back Chandon Sullivan talks about being on this team last year, what was special about it, uh, his role moving forward, and a lot more. So we're going to get to that in just a little bit. I want to start, though, with a conversation about this secondary as a whole because last week we spent some time discussing the things that were flying under the radar, the players that were flying under the radar. And I mentioned Adrian Amos. And we did a whole block in the last week about Kevin King and his abilities and his potential growth in this defense. You go back to the article that Doug Farrar wrote about the best man cover corners in the league, Kevin King on that list. Jair Alexander was on the list of best zone corners. Corners, Adrian Amos is all underrated. One of the guys that we talked about be flying under the radar as we head into training camp. And then Darnell Savage is one of those players everyone is already excited about. I don't have to sell you on the idea of being excited about Darnell Savage because most Packer fans already are. And by the way, so are the Green Bay Packers. Mike Petton is a huge fan of Darnell Savage and what he is capable of providing for this defense. And now you look at a cornerback room that last season helped produce a top 10 passing defense. And you say, okay, well, but the pass rush did most of that. Well, we have more and more data that suggests that coverage is a little bit of a stickier function on defense. And that it is more important than even we previously believed that there are often times when the coverage is aiding the pass rush more than the other way around. This is still a debate even inside the analytics community, certainly inside the NFL film community. The, the real NFL football nerds disagree on this. And I don't think we should assume that any of it is is fully solved at this point. But we know what the pass rush is. It's really good. It's elite. It is an elite pass rush. And when you say, okay, well, the pass rush was awesome last year, and yet the team by DVOA was a top 10 group where the pass rush by pressure rate was more like a top five group. What's the difference? Well, the difference was coverage. And one of the reasons why it wasn't more effective last year was they had some issues in zone. And some communications, one of the reasons was Darnell Savage missed a couple games and so you hurt your flexibility. And one of the reasons was Raven Green got hurt early in the season and was lost for the year. These all had important effects over the course of the year. But the talent, just look at the pedigree of these players. If you think of base defense, so not nickel, even though nickel is their base, Base defense, Jair Alexander, first-round pick. Darnell Savage, first-round pick. Adrian Amos, high-priced free agent. Kevin King, second-round pick, but basically a first-round pick. And Josh Jackson, second-round pick. Shannon Sullivan is going to play a key role in this defense. He was an undrafted free agent and signed off the street. But the pedigree and the talent in this secondary is immense. And that, as a result, means the upside, at least the potential upside, is also immense. So, if Channon Sullivan can come in and give the Packers defense something close to what Tremont Williams did last year, and that's a, that's a tall order. Tremont Williams was one of the best cornerbacks in football last year, particularly in the slot. But his ability to play safety, to play corner, to play all over the defense, and it's something that he's going to be expected to do, to play a little bit of everywhere. He might be a dime safety, a nickel safety, might be a nickel corner. You might not know on a given play where he's going to line up because Darnell Savage might be in the slot and Shannon Sullivan might be deep and it might be vice versa, and you might have them both on the same side of the formation and you don't actually know which guy is going to do which thing. So when you look at this defense, you say, oh, well – they probably won't be as good with their pass rush this year. You know, Zadarius Smith won't play quite as well. Preston Smith won't play quite as well. Kenny Clark won't play quite as well. And and certainly, uh, regression suggests that maybe that's the case. These were outlier seasons for all of them. They all had their best pass rush seasons ever. But what if that's not a coincidence? What if their play together lifts one another? And the fact that teams can't key on any one of them makes it easier for all of them to rush the passer. And then now you add in Rashawn Gary and and what he's capable of doing, the ability and the talent. Speaking of talent, we talked about the talent in the secondary. The talent at outside linebacker with the Smiths and Gary. And then you add in Kenny Clark, the upside. I, I still am really bullish on Kingsley Kiki. I think this front can rush the passer really effectively. Well, If the coverage takes a step forward, if the coverage is a little bit better, if Jair takes that step from really good ascending player, if we are able to take away the qualifier, you know, we always see these lists, best young players in the game, best players under 25 in the game, oh, uh, you know, best uh, rising star. What about just star? Star. If that's what And that's what Jair Alexander looked like in the first month of the year last year. So if you can be that over the course of the season, then all of a sudden, if the coverage gets a little better, now the pass rush can be even scarier. And so I know some of you rolled your eyes when I said this defense can be a top 10 unit and, and potentially a top 5 unit overall. You You rolled your eyes. Some of you did. I know you did. Think about the talent, all of the investment that the, the complaints around the offense that haven't been made, they haven't drafted a receiver. They haven't gotten these pass catchers. They haven't been able to effectively add tight ends. All of the complaints about a lack of resources allocated to the offense. Look at all of the pedigree that the Packers have on this defense now. And is it all great? In terms of the first-round production and second-round, third-round, Oren Burke's third-round pick, we haven't seen him on the field. Josh Jackson's second-round pick hasn't been able to carve out a role for himself. And so it's not all beautiful. Montrevious Adams, third-round pick, can't b- develop a consistent role here. But then the hits, Savage, Alexander, the the high-profile, high-priced free agency, Kenny Clark, and, and Kevin King still has the potential to be that guy. I mean, the book is not written on him. And it's something that can still happen for him. And if it does, the Packers are going to owe him a lot of money very soon. So this this secondary has not gotten a lot of press heading into the season. And again, I'm press. Okay, I take partial responsibility for this. I mean, I can only control my show, but we haven't done a good enough job hyping them up. We haven't done a good enough job talking about the talent and what they can be. And I'm I'm sort of going into the season going, why didn't we do that? And it's because we spent so much time talking about Jordan Love, and rightfully so. We spent so much time talking about what are they going to do at receiver, and rightfully so. It's not like we didn't have other things to talk about. But it's like we forgot this passing defense took a big step forward last year, and we focused on the run defense being bad instead. Again, not unreasonable because it's a glaring weakness. But this passing defense could take a step forward, and if it does, this defense can be even better than it was last year, can be a top 10 unit overall, can be a top 5 passing defense, and can be the kind of unit, the kind of dynamic playmaking unit that can carry a team even when the offense doesn't have it going, which it did at times last year. Can they do it in a playoff game? Something we haven't really seen in the Aaron Rodgers era, a defense going out and saying, we own this game, it's ours. Maybe the NFC Championship game in 2010 is the best example. You can't really find it over the last few years. The defense has gotten you know, a late stop here or there. They did it against Seattle last year. But, obviously, you go back and you look at the losses, they're almost all on the defense giving up something late. None of them are, oh, the defense just kicked ass and took names. No, this defense, though, has as much talent as any group Aaron Rodgers has had and any group that the Packers have had in a long time. And they have the ability to be that kind of defensive unit that takes over games, that stops opposing quarterbacks, That can go to New Orleans and give Drew Brees problems. That can go to Indianapolis and give Phil Rivers problems. And those are the kind of defenses you need in January when you're trying to win a Super Bowl. All right, let's get to my conversation with Chandon Sullivan. He is a Packers defensive back and is likely going to be called upon in a major way this season to contribute with or without Jermon Williams on the team. Uh, Part one of this conversation is going to be used for a piece for Acme Packing Company, and much like I did with Alan Lazard and and Billy Turner, maybe I will release that at a later date. So we're going to jump in in the middle of this conversation Um, And and it'll be the part of our conversation where we started talking about his journey in Philadelphia and then into the Packers season. The the first half of the conversation is about his journey from Georgia and and at Georgia State, the senior bowl and, and how he got to the NFL. This is more about his journey through the league, his development as a player and what's next for him with the Packers. So let's get to that conversation now with Shannon Sullivan. So you, you, you end up landing with Philly mm-hmm. um, and, you know, you, you now have to make another jump, right? Yep. And, and, you know, that's, a, that's an adjustment period. What was the hardest thing for you? Because, you know, it was funny. I, was, I mentioned our conversation with Alan Lazard. He said, the, the, you know, the toughest thing was just trying to manage the rest of his life. You know, now you've, you've got a car payment, you've got a cell phone, you've got an apartment that you've got to manage. I mean, it's a lot to just be a person with a job.
0: That is very true. And just, the you know, the business side of it was something new. You know, mm-hmm. I'm coming from Georgia State. And just even growing up in high school, I've always been the guy. So I'm walking into, you know, another situation where I got to prove myself. And, you know, definitely being undrafted, you know, you got to scratch and claw for everything. So the biggest thing with that was just learning how to be a pro. You know, learning how to take care of my body, learning how to manage my time outside of football, learning how to study the game. And I feel like that really molded me. You know, although it didn't work out there, you know, being around those veterans and going through the trials I went through, it mowed me for, you
1: know, a,
0: a good season, a uh, second season.
1: Yeah. And, and there were a lot of, of injuries in that secondary. You actually got a chance to start a couple games. games yep. when you, when you realized, Hey, I'm going to get the call here. Mm-hmm. What is that like? It was
0: exciting. You know, it was definitely a dream come true, but it, it opened up my eyes to show me that I may not be necessarily ready as I thought I was, you know, you go from practice squad to having to start. In all of a week, you know, that's a big jump. And <laughs> yeah. it's never, my physical attributes have always been there. You know, that wasn't a pro- problem. I felt like it was more mental, just, you know, being able to stay the film, knowing what play is about to come, and just, you know, trusting to just do your job and not try to do too much. I felt like that was what I was trying to do in Philly, just trying to make a name for myself. And, you know, it kind of hurt me, but, you know, you live and you learn. And, you know, as my career progresses, the game continues to slow down, and, you know, I'll be able to make plays.
1: Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about that because I, I remember when uh, you started making plays in training camp last year, I reached out to a, a Philly media friend and I said, hey, what what happened with, with Chandon that he wasn't able to stick in Philly? They needed defensive backs. And, you know, he said, look, there were just times when when maybe he didn't know where to be on the field. Is that is that fair? I mean, when you look back at, at your time there, what do you think held you back?
0: Uh, like I said, the mental aspect. And then yeah. uh, trying to do too much. You know, a lot of times when you try to do too much, you end up, you know, messing up. And I felt like that's what it was. It's not that I wasn't fast enough, strong enough, none of that. I just felt like the game didn't slow down a lot. You know, I was seeing too mm-hmm. much. And, you know, once I got to Green Bay, I had a whole new attitude, a new perspective, had a little experience under my belt, and I knew how to attack it. And I felt like it showed in my this year.
1: Yeah, and and so much so that, you know, Coach Patton had you moving around, had you playing, you know, some corner, some safety, it seemed like they were just trying to find ways to get you on the field. So you get to Green Bay originally, and that was a normal offseason process. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you sort of get the feeling like, hey, this feels different, I feel more comfortable, I think I can do something here?
0: Um, I feel like what a lot of people don't know is I ask myself, how did I get to this point? And then mm-hmm. Philly, I more so just play corner. But if you go back and look at my film from high school and college, I moved around versatility is one of the things that suited me. So my, my as soon as I got to Green Bay, my mind says, I'm trying to make the team by any means necessary. So I told my DB coach, like, look, I can play nickel, I could play corner, I could play dime, I can play safety. And they held me to that. So they put pressure on me to learn the playbook, and I did. And they threw me in the fire, and I was able to make plays. And, you know, I just continued to gain their trust. And I felt like that's the reason I was so, you know, successful this season. is I, My versatility was able to show, and I was able to, you know, the missing pieces we had in our defense with you know certain injuries and stuff. So,
1: did you feel like in training camp that was when you started to realize it was slowing down for you? When did you? You mean you, you talked about the difference in Philly? So when did it start to slow down for you and, and you started to see things a little clearer?
0: I probably say training camp. You know, I went into OTAs. I had a strong OTAs. I was able to learn the playbook, and I jailed a lot faster in Green Bay versus you know Philly. And I, maybe that's because mm-hmm. of how young everybody is, and you know it's just so easy. And or maybe the familiarity with everybody. Like I said, I went to the combine with Tony Brown and the Air and I trained with Josh Jackson. So I was familiar with these guys. I was comfortable. I was able to lean on them, and uh, it just worked. So when I got the training camp, I was confident, and I knew I was going to get a shot. You know, somewhere in the league, whether it, Green Bay or whatever, wherever. So
1: you four—that's a pretty athletic group of DBs. Yeah. So and we're fairly young. So. It's just, it just—it was competition, so. Yeah, you mentioned the ease of it, and and one of the things that was really different—you weren't in Green Bay in 2018, but everyone who was—and and now in 2019, they get there, and it—it it seemed like there was an energy change, a vibe change, and a lot of that had to do with the leadership on the team, Coach Lafleur. Um, did you did you feel that it was different from when you were in Philly? That that the the culture of the locker room was different.
0: Uh. It was, you know, Philly, of course, they had a great coach that just came off the of Super Bowl. But right. I just felt like the big i I'm not asking
1: success, you to trash Philly, by the way. I just, No, no, you know. of
0: course not. that's uh, all love for Philly. But I just feel like with our new coach coming and, and how young, the, the balance of young guys and old guys, you know, the veterans, everybody was allowed to be themselves. You know what I'm saying? Nobody mm-hmm. felt restricted. And I feel like when you're allowed to be yourself and, and play with them amongst yourself, that's when you make plays and that's when you win. So that's the vibe I felt coming in, especially in our DB room. I jailed with these guys day one. You know, hanging out with them outside of football, breaking down film. We are we're all young guys, just hungry, trying to you know win and be successful. So we, we pushed each other every day, and it worked.
1: I want to I want you to take me through as best you can remember the interception on Dak because to me that is one of the the plays of 2019, um, and and it's it's I think one of the best plays of the season by anybody. Especially with the Packers, can you can you break that down for me a little bit?
0: Definitely. You know, I I went in for nickel. um, We was in a cover two set, and all week we told ourselves we wanted to disguise. You know, make Dak see something that's not there. So I walked up and act like I was impressed, even though I was in cover two. And I just simply, you know, sunk back into my hook drop, and I kind of baited Dak into throwing into my area. I wanted him to make. I wanted him to think I was vacating the hook area and going to the flat. But I knew, you know, I was athletic enough to get back to there if he threw it, and he actually threw it, and I was fortunate enough to make a play on the ball. So, you know, that's I felt like that was a turning point in my career, probably.
1: You needed all of those jumping inches on that play. <laughs> <laughs> Every inch. <laughs> so, you know, I I, um, I I was going through the numbers, and I, I felt like, you know, in the in the small amount of time that you were on the field, something like 34 percent of defensive snaps that that you really made an impact. When you come out of the season, how do you evaluate your own ability to make an impact last year and, and what that was um, for you?
0: Well, this just further builds my confidence. You know, I always knew I could do it. My thing was that I had to prove it to, you know, my teammates, my coaches, and, you know, the rest of the league. So when you're finally making plays and you get getting your opportunity, it just gives me confidence in the season to continue to work, continue to dissect myself, my strengths, my weaknesses, and come up with a point of attack going into this next season. So, you know, I'm very confident, and I'm ready for year three.
1: Did did uh, Coach Patton or Coach Lafleur tell tell you anything as you're, you know, at the end of the season, say you know, hey, be ready for this, hey, we'd like to see you, you know, do this or or anything like that.
0: Yeah, well, my role's pretty much been the same. They just tell me, Chandi, you know, you got a big opportunity coming up this season. Uh, you know, we want you to continue to learn the playbook in and out. You know, the whole back end of the secondary because you know we feel confident to put you anywhere. So I'm prepared for whatever.
1: Let me uh, ask about this off season too, because it's been a whirlwind for a lot of reasons. It's been very weird for a lot of reasons. What has the the digital off season been like as a player trying to get you know all of this information, still trying to get your workouts in amid a, a really scary and uncertain time?
0: Uh, it it has its pros and its cons. Uh, yeah, I feel like the pros because OTAs were virtual. Um the pace will slow down a little bit. So now I'm able to learn the playbook from the beginning, from the inside out, whereas last year at OTAs, I was playing catch-up. So I felt like that kind of, you know, ben- I benefited from that. But on the downside, it's tough when you're not around, you know, your teammates. It's tough when you're not around, you know, other athletes due to, you know, a pandemic. So you just got to get creative, you know, working out at home, you know, making sure to run. So it- it's definitely hard, and it-, it teaches you self-discipline. But, you know, I feel like it'll all pay off.
1: So... Where is home for you right now?
0: Uh, I'm still in Metro Atlanta area. This is where I train at. So the Gwinnett County area, Barrow County area. So, you know, that's that's where I'm been pretty much all off season.
1: From a, from a player's perspective, I mean, how do you how do you manage? You know, the the idea of playing at a time when there is so much uncertainty about you know public health and and your own health.
0: Uh, I just focus on and control the things I can control. You know, my coach told me that. As far as now, you know, training camp will be going on the season to start as normal. So my job is to be in shape, be mentally, physically, emotionally prepared for, you know, the season. And, you know, I'll just handle anything else that comes with it.
1: All right, let me, let me throw this scenario at you and you tell me what you think. Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, and Channon Sullivan on the field. And either Darnell or Channon can play in the slot so Mike Patton can disguise a lot of different coverages. How do mm-hmm. you feel about that?
0: It, it can work, you know. All of us, we play anywhere in the secondary. So, you want to throw Darnell at slot and throw me in safety, and vice versa. It doesn't matter. A corner, it doesn't matter. We're gonna get the job done, and I feel like our coaches trust us to do that.
1: Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I have two more here. So, for you, as you set expectations for yourself, you said your your motto is is never be satisfied. What is a successful 2020 season for you this year?
0: Uh, for one, staying healthy. Um, two. Being a guy my teammates can truly, you know, trust on, as, as well as the coaches and the organization, and uh, helping my team get to the Super Bowl. You know, th- anything outside of that is a bonus. But that's that's a successful season to me. All
1: right, and, and last question: Is there anyone, whether it was through the OTAs or workouts, or that you've just been talking to this offseason, uh, an, another guy on the team where you feel like, man, this guy's really locked in right now. He could he could be in for a breakout season in <laughs> twenty twenty. Besides funny. you, obviously.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Like you know, we the Zoom meetings. You talk to these guys every day. You know, even the new guys. So, and we send each other. You know, we have a group chat, and we send each other our workouts. And everybody looks good. You know, I'm excited to see. You know, Kevin King and you know his fourth year. I'm, I'm I'm excited to see all the guys. Josh Jackson, you know Savage going into year two. Jair. I'm just excited to see everybody. Raven Green's coming back. So I I, I just get excited. You know, seeing those guys going hard. It it, it pushes me. You know, it's just. We're just all so competitive, we're all young, and we're so hungry to win. It's, it's, it's going to be a battle going into camp.
1: Channon, this has been great, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, I want to thank Channon for joining the show. Like I said, uh, I, I may put out the first part of that conversation after the, the piece in Acme Packing Company runs, the profile on Channon. Um, I, I had an absolute blast talking with him. Um, he He's a really impressive guy on tape and and a really impressive young man. So I'm excited to see what he can do this year. I loved his answer when i when I pressed him on the the Amos Savage Sullivan trio that, you know, he said, we, we can play anywhere. We can all play together. And I, I, he was a little coy about it, but I do think, that that's something we're going to see this year, and it's something that I think the Packers could have some success with. You roll Sullivan down; he plays in the slot. You've got Savage to that side. You could you could exchange. You could bait the quarterback into thinking, okay, I've got man coverage to that side, and now all of a sudden, you know, we, we've got a little bit of a robber situation, and and or maybe we got a corner blitz, a slot blitz, and and Savage is there. There are, there are so many things that you can do with players who can play all over the place, and Sullivan is that guy. He hinted at it. He's going to play all over, and that's the thing. And so it's it's really going to be exciting to see how Mike Patton can deploy him. I think he's he's really excited to use Sullivan. I think they really like Channon Sullivan, and he's exactly the kind of guy that fits with their culture. He is now a homegrown guy. You know, He spent the first year in Philly, but they really were able to, to maximize him, and I think someone like Jerry Gray is going to also elevate his game even further. Zach Waller's. Packers superfan and Iowa State senator is on the show on Friday. Next week, we're going to have a couple more interviews. We're going to spend some time talking about the other sports leagues and not, you know, breaking down, okay, what are they, who, who are the players to watch? No, no, no. We're going to talk about what they're doing related to restarting their seasons and the lessons the NFL can learn that they can take. Baseball, what's going on? Golf, what's going on? And just try and figure out, okay, we're going to piece together everything that the NFL could be doing to make sure that this goes as smoothly as possible. Because, look, everyone wants football. Everyone wants this to come back. The players want it. The coaches want it. The fans want it. The media wants it. Everyone wants football back. We could use the distraction because this is not going to go away by September, October, November. And I don't want to be doom and gloom about it. I want to find solutions, and I think it is something we have to talk about. We spent a lot of time talking about the players and the personnel. We're going to continue to do that once training camp opens in a little less than two weeks. We're certainly going to talk about what's going on with the rookies. We're going to talk about what's going on in training camp the best that we can, uh, and, and so that is going to be certainly a, a heavy part of all of this. We have to get in some of the logistics and figure out what is it going to look like. How is this all going to work together together, and again, I don't want to be doom and gloom about it, so I'm not going to be. But I'm going to bring on people that I think are fun, we're going to have interesting conversations, theoretically, God willing, knock on wood. We're going to have interesting conversations and uh, and try and figure some of this out. I think it's also that time of year. You know, we're, we're, it's July and the training camp is almost here. We've nearly exhausted the topics that we can that we can discuss. So, you know, let's have a little bit of fun. Let's let's branch out and and try and get some some different perspectives on here. So we're gonna do that in the coming days and weeks. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay. Locked on Packers.